We are Centerpoint Church. This is a recent recording from our Sunday morning gathering. We hope you can join us at the Odeon Cinema in Guildford, Sundays at 10am. Enjoy the message. Hello, hello. Good morning. Good morning, good morning. Um, just like to encourage you to come and take your seats. And uh, yeah, don't worry, that we'll sort out the sound levels, it's all coming. And uh, I just want to add my welcome to you along with Catherine's. It's so good that you've been, you're with us this morning. Um, I love gathering together each Sunday. I think it's been excellent as we've gathered to get together over the August and uh, just worshiping together. And I hope you've enjoyed hearing the inspired series uh, as much as I have. I, I think it's just been excellent. Before I get into that, let me tell you who I am. I'm Chris. And I serve here in Centrepoint Church by leading the leadership team. It's a real joy of mine to be able to do that and um, to n- just know so many of you in all sorts of different aspects. And West Point is one of those great ones, isn't it, where we get to gather together and just be church family. And uh, I do want to encourage you to book into the Connect Festival, as Catherine mentioned, because it's just, again, just an excellent time for us to get away, be together as family and just have those moments together, worshipping God and also just hanging out and having cheese and wine and playing games. It's always great. Um, So each week we love to preach from the Bible, and this week's no different. And so today we're going to be in 2 Samuel chapter 9, and you can turn to it now. And if you'd like to, you could have one of our Bibles. You can can keep one from us. Um, They look like this, um, or you can borrow one. And so if that's you, if you stick your hand in the air, um, then you can, yeah, you can borrow it this morning. Or if you want to, just write your name in it, you can keep it free gift from us. It will do you good. And um, if you're here for the first time, then you've kind of got the best of both worlds because you get to hear a bit of our inspired series you'll get today. And you'll also get next week the start of our new series. And we're going to be going through the book of Joshua. And Joshua is just an amazing historical book of how the people of God take hold of the promises which he had um, sort of given them years and years before and they walk into the promised land and it's also a prophetic book and it will speak to us today and it will speak to our context and for what it means for us to take steps of faith and what it means for us to walk into all the promises that God has given us as a people and as a church and so I want to encourage you to come back next week to enjoy 11 weeks in Joshua as we start that series. But as of today, we're going to be looking at the well-known character of Mephibosheth. Yeah, that one. That's it. Mephibosheth. And in the Old Testament, the people of God are known as the Israelites. Through parts of their history, they are ruled by kings. And like most kingdoms, when a king dies, his son will become heir to the throne. And then the next one and the next one and so on. Of course, if a new king takes the throne through invasion or something else, then it would be the custom of the time for that new king to kill off any remaining family descendants of the last king line. They would do that in order to stop any kind of future revolt or challenge to the throne in the future. There was a time in Israel's history where they were ruled by a guy called King Saul. Saul started off loving God and following him, but soon that faded away and he turned away from God. And instead of his son Jonathan becoming king, um, eventually a different guy called David became king. And David is the guy that beat Goliath. 
And Jonathan has always actually known that David should be the true king. They had an amazing friendship. In fact, Jonathan would often protect David from King Saul trying to kill him. And later on, there's this big battle. King Saul in that battle dies, and so does Jonathan. In fact, the whole of the family die, all except for one person. And that person is Mephibosheth, Jonathan's son, and Saul's grandson. So there was a day early on in Mephibosheth's life, um, that day when everyone died, we find out in 2 Samuel chapter 4 that word got out that the king is dead and all heirs to the throne have died too. And there was a nurse looking after Mephibosheth. Mephibosheth at the time was five years old and the nurse was looking after him and the nurse heard the king is dead, the king's son is dead. And knowing that Mephibosheth is heir to the throne and that his life is in danger, um, because a new king will take place and want to kill him, she picks up Mephibosheth in great haste and, just, and starts to run away because she wants to hide him away. But as she's walking along, 2 Samuel chapter 4 verse 4 tells us that she trips up and they fall and there's a, an accident and Mephibosheth Um, both his legs are broken. In fact, they're so badly broken that he's lame in both feet for the rest of his life. They still, they manage to get away and they go to a place called Lodabar where he, where Mephibosheth then lives. We, We then don't hear anything else about Mephibosheth for the next five chapters. And we don't hear anything else at all about the nurse. But I guess Mephibosheth, he hides out in Lodabar trying to stay undercover away from every, everyone. And then we get to 2 Samuel chapter 9. Hopefully you found it by now. If you haven't, don't worry too much because the words will appear on the screen. And uh, so what I'm going to do is I'm going to read a bit, talk a bit, read a bit, talk a bit like that. And then I'll bring it all together at the end. So 2 Samuel chapter 9, it says this. David asked, is there anyone still left in the house of Saul to whom I can show kindness for Jonathan's sake? We can tell that David is a different kind of kin because it was expectant that he would try to find any people in the line of Saul because any king would want to do that and try to kill them off. But David, he, this is different. He's strange. He's different because he wants to show kindness to them. Carries on, verse 2. There was a servant of Saul's household named Ziba. And they summoned him to appear before David. And the king said to him, are you Ziba? He said, at your service. The king asked, is there anyone still alive from the house of Saul to whom I can show God's kindness? Ziba answered the king, yes, there is still a son of Jonathan. He is lame in both feet. Where is he? The king asked. Ziba answered, he is at the house of Machir, son of Amiel, in Lodabar. So the king had him brought from Lodabar, from the house of Machir, son of Amiel. Just pause there. So we've got Mephibosheth, who is lame in both feet. He's living at Machir's house. And Lodabar, that place, it actually means barren wasteland or place with no pasture. It's where outsiders live. It's destitute. It's lacking in every way. Mephibosheth would have had no work. He's living in someone else's home, presumably Makir, this guy who kind of taken pity on him and brought him in. 
He's got no wife, no kids uh, of any mention. He's got no means to support them anyway. He's got no job. Uh, Someone like him who's physically disabled, both feet, uh, wouldn't be able to work, would be kind of cast off um, adrift. He kind of probably wouldn't really be able to tell people his family line because that would put him in danger. He really is in a place without pasture. All his family, they died on the same day. His dad, his granddad, and he was five at the time. And so for him, it's probably hard for him to remember all of that, but I'm sure he probably remembers the feeling of walking. But not only did his whole family die, but on that same day, he loses the ability to even do that. His whole life has changed. It's terrible. He's permanently crippled. And immediately, not only does all that happen, but all his inheritance is taken away. Future income, his earnings, his position in society, his status as heir to the throne. It's all gone in that one day, thrown away. And he's been hiding away ever since. I mean, he's probably, he might be thinking, oh, at least I'm still alive. Or he might be thinking, oh, why didn't I die along with the rest of my family? Because this is rubbish. We don't know. What we do know is now he's in a position of dread and fear because he's now been found out and he's been summoned to the king. And for him, this is not good news. And so it carries on. Verse 6. When Mephibosheth, son of Jonathan, the son of Saul, came to David, he bowed down and paid him honour. And David said, Mephibosheth. He said, at your service, he replied. And then he says, don't be afraid. I'm sure he was terrified because, you know, his life, he's about to be given a life sentence. And, but David says, don't be afraid, for I will surely show you kindness for the sake of your father, Jonathan. I will restore to you all the land that belonged to your grandfather, Saul, the king, and you will always eat at my table. I mean, wow, this is incredible. It's just unbelievable that a king would do something like this. And Mephibosheth, he had lost everything living out in the sticks, no pasture, no inheritance, no means of his own to climb out of the pit, no rights of his own, no defence. I mean, he didn't even have a leg to stand on. Come on, people. It's good stuff. Nothing. He had nothing. And now he's... That was rubbish, sorry. Now... (laughs) Now he's being invited to eat at the king's table forever. To have all the land restored to him. To have everything that he could, he could ever hope for or wish for. It's all being given to him. Do you know what? As we've been going through this series, we've been asking ourselves the question, as we look at all sorts of different characters that inspire us, who are we in the story and who is God? And do you know what? Mephibosheth is just like us. Just like Mephibosheth, we come from ancestors who turned their back on God. Mephibosheth's grandfather turned his back on God and went away. You know what? Our great, 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 go back a million times, great ancestors are Adam and Eve. They knew God. They walked with him. But they ended up in their own sin, turning away from him and going their own way. The result of the curse of sin that has been on the world ever since happened because of that. And it means that we are now far from God, spiritually barren, unable to atone for our own sin. Just like Mephibosheth, we need a deliverer who will come and show us kindness. We are in a place that has no pasture. We are in a barren wasteland, cut off from God, because that's what our sin does to us. Mephibosheth was physically crippled, but we are spiritually crippled. 
And it would have been easy for him to find all sorts of excuses to pity himself, to not work, to not join in, to keep away from God and from others. And we can do exactly the same. And we can see injustice that happens in our lives and that happens around us. And we can use them as excuses to, yeah, to pity ourselves or to stay away from God and to stay away from his people. And we can, we can look and see what other people have done and we can reflect that onto God and say, because you're people like this, I'm not going to come near you. And we can do all those things. And Mephibosheth might have done that. He might have looked at his father and his, and his relatives and, and all that had happened to him and made all sorts of excuses why he would never go near the king's table. But no, instead he comes and he, he bows down and pays honour and respect. Mephibosheth, as a descendant of the previous kingdom, deserved the death penalty. Not only though was he an heir, but he also had run away. And he chose not to submit himself to the new authorities, which would have been required of him. He didn't do that. And do you know what? The Bible says of us that the wages of our sin, the things that we do wrong, is, is death. It's separation. We deserve, in a sense, from God the death penalty. We have, we have, there is nothing that we have that can make us right before God. We can't atone for our own sin. We can't make up for it. There is nothing we can do to drag ourselves out of the barren wasteland... And, and yet, God makes a way through his son Jesus in order for us to do that. And Mephibosheth, he knows this. He doesn't deserve, he, all he deserves is the death penalty. And he comes before uh, David, he's afraid. David says, I'm going to allow you to eat at my table. And what is Mephibosheth's response? He says this in verse 8. Mephibosheth bowed down and said, what is your servant that you should notice a dead dog like me? Notice, it's, it's not, oh, well, of course, I've been a di- in a ditch all this time and, and you've forgotten all about me. And it's not this pity party. It's not, oh, it's about time I deserve all this, you know, because I've had to put up with my, la- my lame legs. I've had to put up with no inheritance, no money, no income, no stature. It's not any of that. Instead, it's humility. At the hearing of this amazing news, this inv- invitation to eat at the table, it's not proud and arrogant. Or equally, it's not, nah, it's all right. I, I don't need you. I, don't worry about it. No, it's not I'm good. It's, wow, I don't deserve this. What am I that you should notice me? Mephibosheth realises who he is before the king. And he doesn't stand there trying to defend his own actions or his lifestyle. But in the awe and wonder of this king, he confesses, who am I that you should show me favour? He knows that he has no right to any of this grace or to any of this mercy. Uh, that David is showing him. And you know what? Our attitude before God should be the same. We have no right to demand anything from God. Before we come to know him, we are spiritually dead. The Bible says we are dead in our transgressions and our sins. Yet God, who is rich in love and in mercy, who has grace and uh, love and kindness to us, he chooses to show us the immeasurable riches of his grace by bringing us into his household, by allowing us to sit at his, at his table. Instead of instilling an air, uh, an air of like fear and dread into Mephibosheth, David tells him, don't be afraid. And do you know what, in the same way, God doesn't um, kind of like rule us with an iron fist and instill fear and dread in us. No, he, he does the same. He, he calls us children of God, brothers with Christ. He invites us into his household. David doesn't just save Mephibosheth from a barren wasteland and the sentence of death. No, but he, he brings him in. He restores all that belonged to his household 
all back to him. He gives him a full inheritance, all the land. And not only that, Mephibosheth doesn't even have to work the land because he provides him servants to do that for him and he allows him to seat permanently at the king's table to eat all the days of his life. Do you know when Jesus died on the cross and rose again and ascended to the Father in heaven, he made a way for every single person who puts their trust in him to be accepted into his household, into his family. He gives you a full inheritance and provides your every need, not always your every want. Remember, Mephibosheth was still lame. His, his ability was never cured. But he did provide his every need. And just like Mephibosheth was sat at the banqueting table all his days, Jesus invites us to a table too. It's called communion. It's a celebration table where we come to eat and drink and celebrate all that he accomplished on the cross. And as he broke the curse of sin and shame on our lives and brought us into a place of honour and dignity and value and significance, we come and we celebrate that together. Just as David delivered and rescued Mephibosheth from the pit of shame and destitution and gave him this place of honour and dignity, we can receive the same too. Jesus does the same for every single person who puts their trust in him. Takes away your shame. Separates your sin from you as far as east is from west. Clothes you with honour. Restored and fully satisfied. And you know what? There's even more. In verse 9, 10 and 11, we hear more about how Mephibosheth is given this, this, these servants to work the land and the inheritance. And then in verse 12, it says this. Mephibosheth had a young son named Micah. And all the members of Zeba's household were servants of Mephibosheth. And Mephibosheth lived in Jerusalem because he always ate at the king's table. And it just reminds us he was lame in both feet. There's three quick things I want to pick up from that. One is that he received grace and mercy. He, he spent the rest of his days, instead of residing in Lodabar, this barren wasteland, this place with no pasture, he now lives in Jerusalem, which means city of peace. Goes from, he receives that amazing grace and it brings him into peace in the situation that he's in. He's still got his, his legs, he's still, got his, like, he's still crippled, but now he's in peace. Now he's with God and he's received this grace and mercy uh, through David. Secondly, his soul is restored. He's given a helper, Zeba, and his whole household. And um, it's something, he's given income, something that's impossible without David. He is given, it now suddenly becomes possible. You know, in the same way, we are given the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit speaks to us and testifies with our heart and soul that we are children of God and reminds us that he loves us and it encourages us to walk in all his ways. And things that are thought, like previously impossible now become possible with God. And we can show love and kindness and grace to other people through his spirit who speaks to us. And then thirdly, he's brought into amazing relationships. Did you spot that... Whilst before Mephibosheth was in this barren wasteland, no family, no um, wife, no kids. Now he is given a wife. How do we know that? Because he's got a son named Micah. Not only is he brought into a relationship with the king and eating at his table, but he's also brought into a relationship with other people around him. And he is restored in that way. And he's given then a legacy and uh, someone who can then receive all the things that are passed on through him. This is unbelievable. It's just an amazing story of God's grace and mercy, what he gives to us. That's the story of Mephibosheth. What I'd like to do is 
look at three things, three things that it means for us. And after each one, I'm going to encourage us to pray. And then we're going to come back to worship and then after a, a song we're going to do communion, just so you know where we're going. The first one is this. What does it mean for us? Three things. One, first one is receive. This, like I said, this is an amazing picture of grace. And if you don't know Jesus today, maybe it's your first time in church, I don't know. If you don't know him, you might have always felt that God is like a vengeful God looking to destroy your life. Throughout the Bible, and especially in this story, um, we see that actually he's very different to that. Instead of looking to bring you low, he's looking to restore a relationship with you, to fill you with his life, to seat you at his table, to help you to be the person that God intended you to be. He will clothe you with honour, he will take away your shame, he has come to rescue and to save. And if that is you, then in a moment I'm going to give you an opportunity to pray, to invite Jesus into your life, to uh, come and enjoy all that it means, all to know God, the living God, to have a relationship with him, to have your, all your shame cast away, to be forgiven and restored to a relationship with him. And just like Mephibosheth, you, you can join in communion. It's a, a celebration meal where we'll have a bit of bread and some non-alcoholic wine where we just remind ourselves all that Jesus accomplished on the cross. This is for those, that communion is for those that have put their trust in Jesus. It's not for perfect people. It's not for people that have sorted their whole lives out. It's for people who are imperfect but who trust Jesus. It's for people who know that they are far from God, but through Jesus are brought into a place near, into a place of peace. And so if you've never put your trust in Jesus, then I want to encourage you, in about 30 seconds time, I want you to pray with me. Or it might be that like Mephibosheth, you have known what it's like to be close to God at some point. Maybe something's happened to you, a bit like what happened to Mephibosheth, and for whatever reason, that's, that's meant that you've gone away from him, that you've, you've just left him, that you've just gone away, or maybe you've just gone through a period where you've just not been close to him in some way. Then today, again, you can just recommit your life to him in a significant way and invite him again into your heart uh, again. So we're going to do that. We're going to do that now. We're going to pray. Why don't we all shut our eyes? I'm not going to embarrass anyone, but if, if you want to pray that prayer with me now, can you just raise, indicate to me, just raise your hand so I know who I'm praying for. Thank you. Thank you. Anyone else? Thank you. Thank you. Good. Okay. Are those four or five? Let me, let me just pray with me in your heart. Father God, I admit that I've, I'm not perfect. I admit that I've messed up. Lord, I thank you that just like David, you show amazing grace and kindness to me. And I believe in you, Jesus. And I just pray, would you help me to walk in your ways? I commit my life to you again. Lord, I invite you into my life and I trust that you will take away all my my hurt and shame and pain and Lord I want to walk with you and follow you all my days help me I pray Amen Amen Wonderful <laughs> if, that's, if that's you for each one I give I'm also going to give you a practical point if that's you today if you uh, either gave your life to Jesus for the first time or for a significant 
recommitment, you're trusting them again, then a practical step for you might be to go onto our Alpha course. It's, it's going to be starting in a few weeks' time. And uh, again, you can fill out a Connect card or you can chat to someone in a yellow T-shirt. And uh, so on Monday evenings, um, it's about eight, eight Mondays in a row. And um, you'll just have a great time learning again all about Jesus and all about the Bible and his love for you. And you can, you can do that. It's a practical step that you might be able to do. Okay, a second thing I want to put out, second bit of application, is restore. It might be that you're a Christian, but you're not walking in all the fullness that it means to be saved by grace. Maybe you've been distant from the Helper, the Holy Spirit. And maybe you need to be filled again, fresh again today. You just need God to come and fill you with his Holy Spirit to remind you that you are loved and you're cherished and you're a child of God. Maybe you've gone back into your pity party Maybe you were hoping that the rescue that God was going to do in you was going to bring you new legs or new whatever, some kind of physical transformation. And what you thought God was going to give to you hasn't happened. What you desired that hasn't quite come true. Well, you know, Mephibosheth, he was lame, but he was still radically transformed in every way of life, brought into the kingdom. His whole life was changed. Maybe today, this morning, coming back to God for you just means basking in his spirit. Maybe it means trusting in his goodness again, even when you don't quite see the physical things coming through. Maybe you need to let go of past hurts and pains. You need to stop saying to yourself, why did that happen to me, God? How could you let that happen to me? And instead, come to a place where you can say, God, even though this happened to me, I want to walk in relationship with you closely. I want to know that you're with me and that I can, I can walk with you. I want to know your, your goodness in my life. I want to know your love in my spirit. I want to become the person you've called me to be. And so again, in about 20 seconds, I want to encourage you to pray. And uh, we're just going to ask God to fill you with the Holy Spirit. We're going to ask God that he might just remind you again that he loves you, that he's for you. That, yeah, that thing happened, that whatever went on, but he can still do so much through you and in you. So come on, let's all bow our heads again. And if that's you today, if you would just like to pray for just to know God's love again in your life, why don't you raise your hand now? Thank you. Good. Yeah. Thank you. Okay, come on, let me pray for you and pray with me again too. Father God, Again, Lord, we marvel at this amazing just story of grace, of how, Lord God, you, um, through David, again, that you just restored to Mephibosheth so much honour and dignity. And I pray, Lord, today, I pray, help me. Help us, Lord God, not to look at the circumstances of our lives, not to look at the physical things around us and to discard you because of that, but Lord, to trust that even in those things that we would walk closely with you. I pray, Holy Spirit, would you come and fill us afresh again today? Would you fill us with your, with your love and your grace, your compassion? Would we know again that we are sons of you, cherished by you, loved by you? Would you help us, Lord God, to walk in all the fullness that it means to be saved by grace? I pray, Lord God, across this room, would you give us strength to know that even in the trials and the troubles, even in the things that we are facing, that we would know that you are with us, that you'll never leave us or forsake us. And so I pray, Lord God, fill us again with your spirit. How Help us to walk every day of our lives trusting in you, living for you, and knowing that we are loved by you, Lord. Amen.
Amen. Good. It's good. God is good. And he can change lives. And a practical step for you, it might be um, to go on our Freedom in Christ course. This as well, it starts in a few weeks' time, on the 24th of September. And Alpha is on Monday nights, Freedom in Christ is on Tuesday nights. And on, these are going to be eight weeks as well. Eight Tuesday evenings and one Saturday morning. And over this course, you, again, you, you will know, it basically helps you to become a disciple of Jesus. Helps you to follow him closely through all the different things that life might throw at you. It reminds you again of who Jesus is and his love for you. Helps you to walk free of all the past, the chains and the hurts and the things that might, have, might cause you issues. It, it will give you tools to equip you to walk in forgiveness and uh, all these kind of things. And so I just want to encourage you, maybe a practical step for you is to sign up to a Freedom in Christ course. You can do that on church. All our courses, you can do them all on church suite. You can fill out a connect card and we can get you booked in. You can email into the office. You can do whatever. You get in touch. We can get you on that. That's Freedom in Christ. Okay, the last thing, lastly. So we had receive, restore, be restored to all that God's called you to be and relate. Just as Mephibosheth was brought into a relationship with the king, and with others, including a wife and children, we are called to build a relationship with King Jesus and we're called to build a relationship with each other and our community. A fantastic way of doing that is through food, exactly like what happened in this story. You know, throughout the whole of the New Testament, we either see Jesus at a meal or walking to a meal or just leaving a meal. It's always about food. He's always gathering around food. Why? Because food is a great bridge builder. Helps just to connect people together. Uh, Helps to just build relationships over these things. And it helped Mephibosheth build a relationship with David and get to know him, the king, and also build a relationship with other people. You know, we are called to reflect God's love that he has shown us to our world. And then there's many people across our city who are living in a barren wasteland, in places without pasture. Um, Perhaps for you, this morning is an encouragement to again invite your neighbours round from your street, to invite your colleagues round, to to get in touch with those people maybe you've lost contact with, to put on a barbecue or a cream tea, or to just chat with people in your office, to find a way to connect with people. As a church, almost everything we do involves food. It's true. So today, after the service, we'll hear, amen, absolutely. You know, we'll have biscuits and drinks. We, we, we know that it helps to build relationships. And so, you know, our students in 20s, in a few weeks' time, every single Sunday are going to have a hot meal. And every single other Tuesday, when they meet together, they have food. Our Alpha course has food. It, we do things with food because it's a good bridge build. It helps people. And do you know what? Life groups is a key thing that we do, and it's based around food. As, um, as a church, we know that... Um, people visit us each week, just like today, loads of guests. Every single week we have guests, new people, new people coming in. And we are called as a church to be connecting with people all the time, with our community, with people that interact with us in some way. And our life groups are just a wonderful way for us to provide a seat at the table for people to come and get to know us, to get to know people in our church. You know, it was David's right to cut Mephibosheth off. David could have kept his table closed to his royal officials. No, this is all about me, and this is my group. But instead, he opens up the doors, he brings him in, and he helps to build a relationship. 
David accepts Mephibosheth in, and Mephibosheth is then able to meet with people and, and know people. As a church, we are called to accept and invite the community into our homes and into our midst. And when we do that, as people come and they see that as a people we accept them, do you know they might just think that God might accept them too. And so everything we do is about opening up our homes and helping people to come and to know that we accept them, we want them. They can come and belong to us and be a part of us. And there's, there's no closed off groups. There's no cliques. There's no hidden away things. And I know it's hard. And one thing that we do as a church, therefore, is all our groups, all our life groups, they, they've met together for a year. And at the end of the summer, we've reset them all. And from today, after this meeting, you'll be able to sign up and you can join in a group. And it's all open. And no one is more important than anyone else. No group is cut off to anyone else. No, it's all open again. And anyone can sign up to a group and you can go on church suite and you can, you can look and you can choose which group would I like to join into. And I know that this is hard because we're selfish and we want to be closed off and we want to be like, no, no one else can come into my group. And I, I know it's hard. I know I've had people come to me, oh, but Chris, I like my friend Bob and we get to sit with each other. And it's like, come on, wake up. There are people that want to be invited and accepted and we need to let them come in and say, yes, you can come. You are welcome. We are open to have you just as God's arms are open to have you too. Amen? Yeah, this is why we're doing it and I know it's hard. I do. Honestly, I know it's hard and I want to encourage you. Hey, do you know what? It might be that you've been part of a group and you've absolutely loved it. I want to encourage you. What about going and being part of another group? Or even better, what about becoming a group leader? Opening up your home. Invite people in. There's lo- you know, there's loads of group. There's loads of people that want to be part of a group, that want to come in and sit at someone's table. That that can be you. You can open up your home. You don't have to be. You don't have to know the whole Bible. You don't have to have done a theology degree. You don't even have to have a table. All all that's required is someone who's hospitable, who can welcome people into their home. You don't even have to be able to cook because you can encourage people in your group to bring food, and. Um, someone who's just friendly. All you need to be is hospitable and friendly, and you can do it. And I want to encourage you, maybe that's you. And you might be thinking, oh, well, no one's asked me, they don't really want me. I'm asking you. You can do it. This is my request to you. I would love you to be a life group leader. Anyone who is a part of us can do that. You don't have to be a Christian for 100 million years. No, just a few weeks will be absolutely fine. It was good enough for Jesus as he brought the disciples in, and it's good enough for this church too. So... I've gone off piece. My bad. I'm sorry. I know that on a Sunday morning, um, it's really difficult to get to know like 100 people. But going to a life group makes it much easier. And so at the moment, we have five. We know we need more and we will grow more. There's these five here. So like I said, from after today's meeting and over these next few weeks, you can, you can choose to be part of a group. Um, the groups generally meet on Wednesday evenings or Thursday evenings every other week. And they have a meal and it's all based on four Fs, fun, food, friendship and faith and it doesn't matter where you are on the faith journey it's just exploring all that that means and uh, I'm, I'm confident that we'll have more groups as well soon and um, so the the practical step for you today it might be this to sign up to a life group to, to be part of a group and they're dotted all over or it might be hey I think I could do this I think I could open up my home every other week for one evening and invite people from the church in and if that's you that might be your practical step as well I'd love to hear from you but I'd also love us to pray and so 
Um, again, in about 20 seconds' time, I'm going to ask us to shut our eyes and we're going to pray. And what I want to pray for is that, do you know, being open-hearted, invite, opening up your life to people is really difficult. Me and Catherine know. You know, we, last year when we first moved into Guildford, we did a big street barbecue and we invited all our, all our neighbours around. And, you know, we've been planning to do that um, this weekend, but life's just been busy. And I've got to be honest, we haven't done it. We haven't done it. It's hard because we're selfish. And we, we, you know, things get in the way, life gets in the way, and we make excuses. So we were chatting on the way here this morning, like, no, we're going we're to commit to doing this, and so we're going to try to do it next week. And we're going to put a little note around our neighbours, we're going to invite them in to our house, we're going to do a cream tea or a barbecue, we haven't quite decided yet. We'll do something. That's going to be our step. But do you know what? It's hard, because we're all selfish people. And we go home, and we draw up, you know, we get into our house, we shut the door, we draw up the, the drawbridge, and uh, this is our little cocoon, and today, I want us to pray that God will help us to be people that open our lives up. That are people that, at West Point, we heard about crossing over the other side of the river. That are people that are going into our community, into our spaces. And God might be speaking to you right now. You know what that is for you. Maybe it's going across the office desk and chatting to someone. Maybe it's going across the road. Maybe, whatever, maybe it's chatting to that family member that you've lost contact with. Whatever it might be, I want to I pray now that God will give us the boldness and strength to sort of open up the doors, invite people into our tables. Okay? Why don't you shut your eyes again? If that's you, if you want God to fill your spirit, to encourage you to be open-hearted, why don't you stick your hand up and I'm, again, I know who I'm praying for, I'm praying with. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Yeah, isn't it good? Yeah, hands all around. Come on, let's pray together again in your heart. Father God, just want to say again, Lord, that we do love you. And we know, Lord God, that you accept everyone who might come to you. And Lord Jesus, that you, yeah... John 3.16, for God so loved the world, he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. Lord God, we believe it. And we pray, Lord God, give us strength and boldness to actually act out, to go and talk to people, to invite people in, to open up our homes, to, to be people that are hospitable and accepting of all the people around us, that we would invite people in, we would see our community changed and transformed. And Lord God, yeah, they, they might be disabled in some way, they might have special needs, they might have all sorts of issues that they come with, but just like um, Mephibosheth, Lord, I pray that we'll see many people come into our, into our presence, into our midst, into our courts, and as we accept them, Lord God, we are believing and praying that they will believe that you might accept them too. And so I pray, Lord God, that you'd help us to be a people that are open-hearted, open-handed, willing to let people in, to help people to come and be a part of us and to know all, all the goodness that it is to know you, we pray. Amen. Amy, why don't you come back up? What we're going to do... Oh, yeah. Why is Mephibosheth inspiring to me? Because he is just like you and me. That's why he's inspiring to me. He humbly comes before the king. He receives grace fullness of life is restored to him in many ways and he's brought into relationship with the king and with others do you know what we're called to receive god in each other to be restored to god and see others restored and to relate to god and to relate with each other so um let's worship let's stand together shall we we're going to stand together we're going to worship god then we're going to do communion and uh, i'll lead us through that and, and then we'll do tea and coffees. But for now, come on, let's focus our eyes on Jesus. He's the author and perfect of our faith. He's a good God. Let's worship him.
Thanks for listening. Please do come and visit us Sundays, 10am at the Odeon Cinema in Guildford. We look forward to seeing you.